Good morning, all. Yeah, make out checks to Vineyard Church. That way we can track your contributions for you. Hey, Donna Campos. Yes, last night I was looking for a photo on ministry prayer, and I googled ministry prayer, and you were on the first page. Donna Campos under ministry prayer. Try it. I don't know who's got it there or why. You look really good. It's a good picture. You may not think so. I don't think so. For the past uh, month or so, we have been talking about prayer. And in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul finalizes a, a section of material about our responsibilities as Christians with a statement, a fairly significant one, about prayer. He says this in Ephesians 6:18: Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Anybody catch the word all in there? All occasions, all kinds of prayers, always, all the saints. You, you might imagine that there's something significant here. Not quite sure, but I think there might be. You know, when we think about prayer, you know, many of us think of a, a few kinds of prayers that we often uh, perhaps use. You know, prayer before our meals, uh, prayer with our children when we put them to sleep at night. Uh, prayer for God's help, prayer for God's leading in our lives, prayer for God to help those we love, uh, prayer for those in need, such as the hurricane victims. Last week, Mariana talked to us about praying for our leaders. And in this passage, Paul says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So here on Sunday mornings, uh, we have been sharing with you a variety of kinds of prayers with the goal to better help you to be able to do just what Paul has said that we're to do. This morning, I want to talk with you about healing prayer. But first, I want to talk about some images of the church that I think can help us as we think about healing prayer. Throughout the Bible, there are numerous images given to Uh, describe the church. The church is described as a people. It's described as a vineyard. Its church is described as a body. It's described as a flock, a temple, a bride. Four others that I want to look at this morning that we have uh, identified that help us to identify what is it that our roles are within the church are four that John Wimber introduced us to back in the 80s, which was the church is a family, the church is a hospital, the church is a school, and the church is a team. And I want to look at these uh, four just somewhat briefly as uh, flow for where we're headed. In 1 Peter 3.8, Peter says, You should be like one big happy family, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Galatians 6.10, Paul says, Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to our Christian brothers and sisters. Now, we're going to do a little bit of uh, audience participation. I tend to do that, don't always, but often I do, and this particular one doing that. So I want you guys to involve with me a little bit. If you were to think about... Uh, what are some of the characteristics or elements of family? Just not necessarily related to church, just generally. What are characteristics, elements related to the family? You have to speak loud so everyone can hear you. 
living in proximity, love, comfort, time together, any ne- sharing any negative ones like fighting or squabbling? <clears throat> no, never. Nobody, none of your family squabble, I'm sure. Nurture, trust, attention, tension, tension, yes, tension, and attention. Those babies really want attention, don't they? Chores, honesty, okay. What are some things based on those characteristics? What does that tell us? Maybe some things that it tells us about the church. I'm sorry? That there's tension. Yeah. I mean, again, these characteristics, the, you know, we often wish church was perfect, right? I mean, you know, we would hope that it were just like we would hope our families were perfect. But they're not. And we're not. We're human beings. And family brings a lot of elements to it. Well, any other comments that you might think of? What does this help us to understand about the church, that the church is family? Commitment. church is a family. Okay, when somebody in the family is not well, we feel it. There is a hurting. You know, about four or five years ago now, getting on, I was very ill and was hospitalized twice, and it impacted our, our physical family, Claire and I and our girls, but it also impacted our church. Family. You know, there's four roles that I think of, or stages, maybe we might call them, of a family. We've touched on this. In fact, I've done whole messages on this. Uh, four roles or stages, baby, child, teenager, parent. Each one of those uh, stages reflects different characteristics. And if we're a, uh, if the church is a family, then we could imagine or expect that there would be people in our midst who might be at those various stages. Um, I'm not going to, we've done that quite at length in previous times, so I'm not going to kind of highlight those right at the moment. But just, just to think about it, and if you were to sort of imagine yourself relative to these characteristics, where might you fall? You know, babies or infants are completely cared for by others. They, they can't do a thing for themselves. They want everyone, uh, they need everyone to take care of them. Children are, are beginning now to think they can be adults, right, uh, and uh, to do things on their own. You know, we have some grandkids that we're seeing these wonderful characteristics uh, that uh, remind us of ourselves when we were those ages, right? And um, teenagers are at a point where maybe they can babysit a little bit. They also are, are learning to, to give. But then there's the role of parent, those who care for others. And so I would just encourage us when we think about that the church is a family, that we need to be growing up and that we need to be helping others. There's a, there's a process of growth that leads us then to care for others. Second picture of what the church is like is that of a hospital. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Matthew 10.1, Jesus called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits 
and to heal every kind of diseases and illnesses. So if we were to think about a hospital, firstly just relative to its characteristics, um, what might be some things we think about for a hospital? Sick people. Doctors. Eddie. Nurses. Temporary. Yeah, isn't it sad when we are uh, so impacted that that is less than temporary? Okay. Emergency room. And then others there for a few weeks. You've got um, ICU. I was just thinking of that. Intensive care, regular care. What's that? Maternity ward. Well, that's a good one. I never thought of that one. Maternity ward. Waiting room. Cleaning crew. No, we, the hospitals are never cleaned, are they? Okay, anyway, what, what maybe as we think about that image as the church, what, what might that help us to recognize about the church? Harder to make that one, but is it possible that we would have those in our midst who would be in ICU in their life? Those that might be in a, an emergency crisis? Maybe even some in long-term care. But if we have some of those people, we also probably need some people to help care for them. Doctors have training. Eddie, how many years did you do? Where is Eddie? There he is. Having too many. You're still doing. This is your last year, though, right? Eddie is in his third year of residency. Is that what that's called? So... uh, Dr. Eddie among us. I've been thrilled to have him look down our throats and our ears. and Everyone in the church calls him Eddie, him or Juan. We have two medical professors, professionals here. Cassandra, three. Well, yes, and that, sorry, yeah, that's that our society doesn't think of that one, does it? I'm sorry. Dr. McKay. We got lots, that's fun. All right, hospital. Anyway, variety of images Uh, that help us to think about. And in that kind of an application, when we think of patients, there's also visitors, uh, the nurses, the doctors, administrators. Um, Again, we don't always need or want to be the patient. (laughs) Hopefully, there'll be times in our lives where we have received the training that we're in the place where we need to be those who extend care. But the church is a hospital. And when we need care... Even doctors need surgery occasionally. And when they do, they need the care of others. So the church is a hospital. Another picture of the church um, is that of a school. Acts 2.42 says, They joined with the other believers and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, sharing in the Lord's Supper and in prayer. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, The Bible is inspired by God, is useful to teach us, what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing that God wants us to do. What are some of the characteristics or elements of a school? Grades, teachers, tests, 
administrators, students. Those are the people. That's good. Lack of sleep. Pressure. Deadlines. Graduation. Woohoo. Curriculum. Okay, so what are, if we think of the church as a school, what, what does that help us to reflect on? What does that help us consider to think? A place of learning? Recess? Camille, do you remember? Do you remember recess? I do. I still I can picture the playground and the rubber mats that I'm sure they don't have anymore, at least not the style we had. My favorite time of, of school was when it rained, you know, and you couldn't go out to school. We always played games and stuff. Heads up, seven up and okay. Anyway, I like recess. Good good job, Camille. Okay, what else does it tell us about the church? We're supposed to learn. There's curriculum. I mean, uh, Melissa was talking about VLI. VLI is a, a seminary-level training program provided in the vineyard uh, for those who are involved or desire to be involved in significant uh, ministry. Uh, essentially, it was designed for those who would be pastors and leaders and missionaries. But it's open to everybody. It's open to anyone who can afford it, and which is a lot less than regular schooling, and, of course, who would have the time to do it. The cool thing, as was highlighted this morning, is that there are some opportunities within the program for those who are not in it full-time, as Melissa called it, to be able to participate in some of the elements of it. Uh, there are what are called weekend intensives that are essentially a whole class in one weekend. And so the material is at a seminary kind of level, helping you to understand things like the Gospels or a variety of kinds of expressions of that nature. So anyway, those will be available to you. Then there's uh, quarterly mentoring. There's quarterly mentoring, and this quarter is the preaching uh, class that is extremely helpful. You know, we use the term preaching, and it does incorporate preaching, but it also incorporates teaching. So, okay, school. The church is a school. We've already touched on uh, the fact that there's a variety of kinds of people. One of the things I thought about is, you know, when uh, college students initially enter uh, college, sometimes it's not as, as rough as this, but often there's sort of general ed courses that are required. They're just sort of generic that, you know, all of us, you know, everyone kind of tends to have to take. And then there's specializations. So that's the majors and going on to a particular degree. Then, of course, uh, additional degrees, masters, uh, doctorates, PhDs, those kinds of things. And so if we parallel that to the church to say that there is legitimacy to generalist, uh, general kinds of training, such as we do here on Sunday mornings, but then there also is the place for specialization, such as uh, VLI or even in these ministry areas. Um, different ministry areas that we would express. Of course, there's the need for teachers. There's administrators. Okay, then the last um, picture, John Wimber always spoke of it as an army, and I I liked, which is a great image and works. Uh, Personally, I I liked the team, and uh, we uh, early on started uh, calling our leaders coaches, and uh, I'll touch on that uh, in a minute. But Romans 14:19 says, So then we must always aim at those things that bring peace and that help strengthen one another. There's an element of one another 
uh, that's significant in the church. Ephesians 4, 11, 12, uh, and then 16. God has called some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love and winning, we might add. So when we think about a team, what are some elements or characteristics of team that we might think of just generally? Don't have to apply it to the church yet. Just, just generally, what are elements related to teams? Practice. Cooperation. Claire, what would you say? Captains. Coaches. Discipline. Coaching. Submission. Mutual submission. Rules. So good. For some reason, you know, it's football season, right? So though I haven't seen much of it, other than every time you go anywhere, there's almost always a football game on if there's a TV on. Um, but I was just sort of thoughtful of the, the whole huddle and, um, and, and the element of the positions in a football game, you know, how crucial every player is. You know, in most sports, every player is, is crucial as a team. I don't know, that one just feels, I mean, everybody's protecting one another and they have assignments. And uh, Anyway, there's a, there's a goal. I remember John Wimber always talking about, can you imagine playing basketball but there's no hoop? So if we were to bring this over now to the church, I think it's important for us as we think about um, the church as a team that we need goals. To just play the game is okay, but I like to win. I like to know when I'm improving to where my shots are hitting the mark more often than less frequently. What other things might you think of as you parallel this image to the church? How is the church a team and how is that significant? Different types of players. Absolutely. Guard, you know, bas- switching it to basketball, there's, you know, guard, center, that. Somebody else? There's something to be won. Talk to me more about that as you think about that for the church. Take that further. Souls, okay. Okay, we can add to the team in that way. Aha, there's another team playing against you. Anybody bump into that team this week? That's good. I'm, I'm intrigued by what where you went with that. Jay, I'm going to have to think about that one more. To think about the, the goal. I mean, pleasing the owner. You know, there's an owner of the team. Um, there's uh, multiple coaches levels, um, which is kind of interesting. You know, you do have uh, something else that, that I think of with teams is they're spectators. We can, there's people who sit around and watch. And there's cheerleaders, cheer them on. I have to kind of wonder, you know, when you think about kids' soccer, who's it for? (laughs) 
is it really for those kids? You know, I mean, of course it is. But my gosh, you'd think it was the parents sometimes, wouldn't you? There's an expectation to grow up and to move on. Um, Mariana. Okay. That's good. Well, I I hope that um, this kind of just thoughtfulness here can help you. And, And one of my goals is as we touch on it as I move into a, a healing prayer to think about that that particular expression touches on many of these elements. Uh, we need to pray for one another within the family, that there, uh, we need to work together, there needs to be training, um, there's sick people, there's people who need prayer. Uh, all of these images really um, very significantly touch on these various elements. They're, the church is a family. The church is a hospital. The church is a school. The church is a team. And it's many other things. It is flock. It is a vineyard and on. Let's move into uh, a description now as we talk about the kind of another kind of prayer, that of healing prayer. Since the fall of humankind in the Garden of Eden, we live in a broken world that is given over to hurt, sickness, and death. Jesus Christ came to dismantle that system, to take it down and to establish God's system of life. But even while that kingdom is at work, simultaneously the kingdom of darkness and of death continues to rule and reign as well. One of the significant elements of the ministry of Jesus while on earth was healing. And at one time, and I couldn't locate it, but at one time I had looked up and knew how many particular references to healing there were in the Gospels, and it's significant. I mean, like on every page, practically, of the Gospels is a description of healing. Luke uh, 6, 17, and 19 describes uh, a very significant time Jesus had gone up to a mountain, had uh, particularly selected the 12. They had come down, and uh, this text then goes on to say this. Jesus stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples, as well as a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. So there's people about all over, about the size of Texas, that many kind of people. They had to come, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled with unclean spirits were being healed. All the people were trying to touch him, for power came from him and healed them all. There's numerous occasions where the Gospels speak of Jesus healing them all. But there's other references to times where there was limitation. Jesus was unable to heal significantly in various times. But here we see people recognizing their need for help and wanting and needing someone who can help them. Jesus, though, recognizing that he was not to remain on the earth forever, recognized that he needed to impart this ministry to his disciples. 
Matthew 10, 1, and then 7 and 8, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. These he sent out with the following instructions. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, expel demons. Then in Luke 10, 1, Jesus expands from the 12 to the 70 or 72. After this, Jesus appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, to send out workers, to send out doctors, to send out healers, caregivers, pastors, friends. Finally, in what we call the Great Commission, Jesus extended this ministry to all who would follow him throughout all generations, which would include us. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus said, has been given to me. I therefore now give it to you and say, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to do everything I have taught you to do. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. And remember, you're not alone. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age, through the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. This commission and impartation of Jesus is to every one of his followers. And every one of his followers, everyone in this room who has made a decision and a commitment to follow Christ has been imparted and commanded to go and make disciples, to enfold them into his church through baptism, church attendance, community groups, to teach them to do everything, to learn and to teach It includes healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing those with emotional and transmittably diseases to expel demons from those so bothered. But how do we do that? And I I always am intrigued by the fact that Jesus didn't say pray for the sick. We use that term a lot. Let's pray for the sick. Jesus said heal the sick. You will not find a passage where Jesus said pray for the sick. And I, honestly, I believe it has to do with our, our views and our limited understandings and our limited recognition of that impartation, that, those elements that are needed. So how do we heal the sick? I know that I can't save, heal, or deliver anybody, but God can. But God also has commanded me and us to do that. So... God, therefore, has the power and the authority to save, to heal, and to deliver. And he has commissioned us as his representatives, his ambassadors, to go with that same authority and power to save, heal, and deliver in our world today. I liked that new song uh, about the city. And, um, you know, we often, I think, in the church become pretty introspective. And I I like uh, how that helped us to kind of look out and hopefully this material does that as well before sending off his disciples to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of god jesus gave his disciples two very key ministry ingredients power and authority luke 9 1 through 2 jesus called his 12 disciples together gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to heal all diseases 
Then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. It's interesting how these various elements uh, are often reiterated together. Preaching and healing. Kingdom deeds, kingdom expression, the works and the words of Jesus we often speak of around here. That they go together. I'm reminded, uh, and I've shared this story a lot because it was just a fairly significant one to me. Uh, When we first moved here to plant the church, I was um, working at a, a business ministry as a bookkeeper, and um, one of the gentlemen came into my office one day and said, you know, do you have any Tylenol? Had it? Do you have any aspirin or something? I, I do. I keep that kind of thing in my drawer. Um, and so I offered him a couple. And after I, when I handed them to him, I said, could I pray for you? And he said, sure, that, that'd be fine. And I said, can I pray for you right now? Yeah, that'd be fine. So I prayed and spoke to the pain and the pressure and commanded it to go, and he left. And I never heard anything about it. Well, a week or so later, uh, he had injured himself the night before and had come in fairly early uh, to get some medical information from me as the the bookkeeper, HR person, and um, he was sharing uh, what I think he got in a finger in his eye playing basketball or something like that. And again, I said, well, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah, it worked last time. Go, sure, go ahead. And so I, I prayed for his eye. But I, I wouldn't have known that. But that's the kind of thing that Jesus is, that, you know, it gives us a tremendous amount of opportunity when someone comes to us at work and is coming to us out of a place of brokenness, whether that be relationally or emotionally or whatever. We're able to give them an encouraging word to Uh, pray with them to welcome the Holy Spirit and to see them transformed by that to the point where they say, wow, what is it that you have that I need? That's what we're talking about. Power. Power is the ability, strength, or might to complete a given task. In the Greek world, it was used of military force or power. Authority is the delegated right to use that power that God has given, and it denotes the unrestrained right or freedom of action. And I can uh, illustrate these examples in this way. On my way home on my, from my new job that I started this week, I drive down Hebner, and there's a child care facility on Hebner not far from Babcock, and there is a police officer out there every afternoon uh, when we come home because there's, you know, three lanes of traffic and it would be absolutely probably impossible with the level and the volume of traffic for people to get into the parking of that child care center without that officer. So there he is stopping and directing traffic to allow cars to enter the driveway. Now, he doesn't have the physical power to stop the cars. You know, car's coming at 40 miles an hour, and he steps in front of it and stops it, you know, Superman style. He doesn't have that power. So, but what he has is a uniform and a badge representing authority, right? And so that authority gives him the right to stop those cars. doesn't have to have the physical. But if a car weren't to stop, he does also have power. What's his power? His gun. He can shoot out their tire. I mean, we don't hear of that, bless God. We don't have those. But it's there. 
And obviously there are occasions where that power. Coming home from, uh, traveling home from Florida, um, it's 3 a.m. in the morning, we stopped in a southern town, city, and to get breakfast, Mercy and I go in, and uh, we watched a police officer express his authority and power um, uh, arresting an individual in the restaurant and uh, saw that. Now, he didn't use his gun, but he uh, used force. And uh, anyway, whole nother scenario. So that is a, a picture. So if we were to parallel that to us and think of us having been given power and authority or power and authority from the disciples, what's that, what's that look like? Where, how does that express itself for us? Okay, so the authority side has to do with that um, right as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, as one with the Holy Spirit given to us, as having Christ in us. We have the authority, the right to deal with the works of darkness, whatever they are and wherever they show up. We just didn't decide it. We have been given authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Go therefore. He's imparting that authority. We've got a badge and a uniform. We have a right to express kingdom deeds. Then the power is that which causes those things to change. And I would advocate that there is another element to this, which is faith. And we can find pictures and, and descriptions of the need for faith, believe, that's crucial as we approach this. And that is something that can grow. But it is something that is required. Jesus often spoke of faith relative to healing situations. So we have been given the power, the spiritual ability, the strength, and the authority, the delegated right to use that power to do the works of the kingdom. So how many of you here are followers of Jesus? We got any? Okay. Then how many of you here, as a result of the commission of Jesus, have been given his power and authority? Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more of how we might be able to learn to express that. You know, the healing of a person is a very complex issue because people are complex Creatures. The uh, Western mindset has tended to view man and humankind as a compartmentalized uh, element, uh, identifying the various parts and structures. It comes out of Greek thought. Uh, the body, the physical body, is treated often by one kind of doctor. The mind uh, or emotions are dealt with by another. And there has historically been uh, a significant compartmentalization. However, over the last few decades, uh, both medicine and psychology have been showing us what the Bible has always presented, and that is that the human beings need to be viewed as holistic, in a holistic way. When the Bible speaks of the elements of a person, when you read the words body, soul, and spirit as an example, the 
author is not so much attempting to compartmentalize or describe various elements, but instead the Hebrew mindset is always attempting to express the whole. So they say those three things, body, son, and soul, and spirit, kind of like saying a car, you know, tires, and engine, and seats, and seatbelt, you know, you know, a car, a human being, body, soul, and spirit. And so as a result of this unity or wholeness, wholeness in people, there's a, when there's a problem in one area, that can manifest as a symptom in another area, which requires a holistic approach towards healing. And as I suggested, you know, the, the medicine, uh, medical and uh, psychological areas are understanding this more and more. When thinking of healing, we need to include thinking about inner healing for emotional needs. We need to think about physical healing for the physical needs. We may need to think about repentance for the sins that the individuals have committed, forgiveness for the sins committed against them, deliverance for demonic bondage. So to be successful in healing and involved in that level of ministry, we need to learn to minister broadly and think of the whole person. If someone comes to you with uh, a hurting back, you know, it could indicate that they lifted something they should not have lifted and they strained their back. It could indicate a tumor. It could indicate a demon afflicting them in that region of their body. It could indicate that they're under severe emotional stress and it's manifesting in muscular or spinal tension. It might indicate that they're really out of shape and they need some exercise. It also might indicate they need a new mattress or stop using that waterbed. It could mean a lot of different things. So how do we figure out exactly what is causing the backache so that we can properly pray? And we do that through listening to the Holy Spirit and expressing a holistic ministry or a prayer model. Now, if you've been in our church with us for any time at all, or if you've been uh, part of another vineyard, you will have seen and probably experienced uh, a model of healing prayer, Uh, a model that is so much a part of our genetic code that it's often seen, felt, and learned without formal training. However, formal training can help us to better understand what we've experienced and what we've seen so that we can become more effective. Again, back to the hospital image, we've hung around the hospital, we've seen doctors do things, maybe we've been an assisting individual in extending care, but now it's time to become the doctor who actually administers the surgery. So we often speak of around here what we call the five-step healing model. And I'm going to go through that fairly briefly. And uh, if we have time, then we're going to do it. So that's the goal. The very first step, if we would call it that, in the healing model is the interview. Essentially, we're trying to identify where does it hurt. What do you want me to pray for? What is your need? I um, love this little story. Way back in the 80s, uh, late 80s, we, uh, our vineyard church was expressing ministry in Mexico, and uh, we were going down to Mazatlan, and we had a team of about 30 uh, one of the years, and we, we ministered uh, in a bullfighting arena. Uh, one of the nights had about 2,000 people 
and we had a team of 30 to pray for. And when our pastor invited people to come down for ministry, about 1,500 of them came down. So, but we were prepared. We had taught our people how to ask in Spanish the word, where does it hurt? Adonde duele? Real simple. Everybody say that with me. Adonde duele? Right? Where does it hurt? Does that work? Is that close? Okay. The trouble is, is that, uh, you know, 1,500 people and you don't really know what you're saying. It's just blah, 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 blah. Uh, two of our team members began to say, Adonde huele? And for those of you who know Spanish, it means, where does it stink? So they would walk up to a young woman and say, where does it stink? And the people would look at them. Anyway, as if they could understand what they told them if they asked, Adonde duele anyway. But anyway, that's one of my, but that's essentially the question. Where does it hurt? Not where does it stink? Okay, so what we want to do is we want to ask the person to share with us what is their need, where does it hurt, what is the problem or issue. Yeah, we may ask them as a part of this interview, when did you first uh, begin to experience this? When, when did you see this beginning to happen? Tell me a little bit about the situation. How, how does this condition hurt uh, or problem affect your present life? Now, many times when we invite people to come up for ministry and we have folks up here to minister, that's how they begin. Sometimes we have given a particular ministry call and said, those of you who are, you know, are struggling in your relationships, would you please come forward? When it's, when it's that clear, we often don't need to interview as much. It's not as crucial, but it still can be relative to perhaps the particular area of of that need. So it's still an element of what we want to do. Sometimes if we have many individuals who haven't prayed much for others, I give those instructions. Ask the people uh, what what is their need, what's their situation, so that we can better pray. That's kind of the front end. But then while that is sort of happening in this natural, you know, why does this person have this condition? Um... There is also a supernatural evaluation or interview that is going on. Lord, is there anything I should know about this situation? And we can, uh, I, I speak of it sort of as a horizontal or on the natural plane and then as well on the supernatural plane. And uh, these, the spiritual gifts that we, uh, we taught on sometime in the past, not too long ago, we touched on very, various of the spiritual gifts and those are tools that are often used uh, in this kind of a ministry setting uh, where we are um, praying in the spirit, so to speak, while we're interviewing and listening. So there's this, this twofold element of there's a natural and there's a supernatural. And the interview or step one is complete essentially when we know where it hurts. Now, we still don't yet know what to do with that we don't even necessarily know its root or cause. So that leads us to step two, which is the diagnostic decision. And, and you'll, this, uh, essentially, this five-step healing model parallels the, what a medical professional would do, essentially. Just, I mean, not exactly, I recognize, but at some level. They're, they're hearing from the person comes in the, you know, the office or he's in the waiting room or he's, you know, he's in the emergency room, whatever, and, you know, where does it hurt? Well, there's this gash across my head. <laughs> you know, there, sometimes you don't have to ask the question, but 
often we do relative to healing prayer. Okay, second step is diagnostic decision. Why does this person have this condition? And this is where, um, if possible, we're looking to identify the cause. What is the cause of this? This is similar to, um, you know, again, a situation a medical doctor might make. However, in our case, we're assessing not only the natural, you know, the, again, the person comes in with the uh, problematic back, but also the sp- spiritual. You know, have they contracted a disease? Have they hurt themselves? Is there unresolved sin or forgiveness? Is there demonic involvement? And again, we do this by asking questions as well as simultaneously listening to the Holy Spirit. And we need to be very delicate and sensitive to the person. We need to, we need to be very careful with our questions and the depth of our questions as we pursue. Uh, we need to be watching the person. There's times where, you know, Someone's just come up, they're a guest or a visitor with us, and, you know, it isn't appropriate to say, you know, tell me all your deep, dark secrets, please, so I can better pray for you. Um, We need to be sensitive to their needs, be watching what's going on, but inviting and welcoming the Holy Spirit as well to help us to begin, you know, what is the name? Is this spiritual? Is this simply a, a physical condition? That's step two. That's the diagnostic decision then that kind of rolls right into, there isn't as much of a separation between two and three. Step three is the prayer selection. What kind of prayer is needed to help this person? Based on this, the cause, what kind of prayer is needed? Firstly, there are prayers directed toward God. Help. <laughs> um, inviting the Holy Spirit's presence. Asking for the Holy Spirit's healing. Um, there is intercessory prayer is a kind of prayer selection. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your healing come. Uh, there's personal prayer, asking the person to pray for themselves, to pray about the situation, to speak something. So this is the prayer. What kind of prayer is needed? Um, possibly what's needed is a command of faith. I break the power of this disease. Uh, Jesus' prayers were sometimes very simple. Who can give me an example of one of Jesus' simple healing prayers? C. Come forth. Stand up and walk. Little girl, rise. We should try those, but only when initiated by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) They can be the correct prayer selection. They also need to be accompanied with very faith, and other uh, giftings such as miracles. How do you know that those are presents? There's often a training process. Again, you've got um, you know, somebody who is a, a nurse practitioner. You have somebody who is a uh, doctor's assistant. You have doctors. You have surgeons. But that variety is a level. And that's going to be true of us. Many of us, as a part of this healing ministry, are just beginners. We're babies in this arena. We just need to stand and watch and see what others do. We're children, then we start to have chores ourselves. Teenagers begin to do it more and more. Think about these progressive uh, pictures. None of us are going to go out and be, you know, John Wimber or uh, other uh, the others that have been used in significant healing ministry in the last couple of decades. So step three is this prayer selection. The Holy Spirit's very creative. He may use many kinds of uh, prayers to heal. Uh, there can be comfort Forgiveness, reconciliation, repentance, guidance. Um, We may need to invite the person, 
with directive prayers. I believe you need to tell God you're sorry for. I think maybe you need to forgive. Uh, there's the rebuke of uh, the prayer of rebuke in the name of Jesus. That's still the prayer selection. That's not the prayer yet. Step four is the prayer engagement. It's it's the let's pray. You've you've gone through the interview. You've heard where it hurts. You have hopefully listened to and understood on a natural plane the cause. You've also heard through the Holy Spirit on the supernatural what elements of the the spiritual realm and other elements are involved. There is the prayer selection, what kind of prayer is going to be used. And then there's the prayer engagement. And we need to keep in mind, again, we're not the healers. And medical doctors are not the healers. They're the physicians practicing medicine. And we're the Christians practicing healing. And it is the process of healing that medical professionals use that brings healing. It's the use of medicines, counsel, diet, surgery, whatever is needed. And on a parallel element in the spiritual realm, there is the similar. That you know, a one-time prayer, a one-time cons- consultation with a medical doctor is not necessarily you're going to walk out of there healed. Right? Often there is a process. Sometimes, however, you can go into surgery and walk out healed, but there may be some recovery that is still needed. So again, if you would keep... I I think there have been misunderstandings about the healing ministry um, uh, through the decades. And at some level, many of us have thrown out the baby with the bathwater, as they say. And God has commanded us, Jesus Christ commanded us to heal the sick. And it was a significant element of kingdom works that were used to provide the opportunity to share with people the good news. And that's what it's to be for us as well. Sometimes, um, one of the things relative to the prayer engagement that is, is, is very profound to understand is I will often, just as in the prayer Uh, The diagnosis, the interview, the diagnosis, the prayer selection, just as there is a natural element where we're listening to the person and we're thinking in our understanding, our experience, our background, whatever, in praying for others, just as there's this natural element, there is a supernatural element where God is giving revelation, where there's a connection with the Holy Spirit. He's prompting us with ideas and understandings. In a similar way, in the prayer selection, not in selection, the prayer um, what do you call it? The prayer, dire- prayer engagement. Thank you. Um, that also has both a natural and a supernatural element. And, and essentially, this is what it looks like. I, I will often pray in what I call the natural. I'll pray out of an understanding of uh, connective prayers with God, praying the good things of the Bible while at the same time expecting God through the supernatural to give me revelatory, prophetic kind of ministry to the person. So that would look something like, I have someone standing here, they've identified a physical condition. Let's just say simple right at the moment. They tripped and injured their knee. And so 
um, they've come in on a Sunday and uh, they would like some prayer. So I initiate by welcoming the Holy Spirit, welcoming his power and authority. God, I am not the healer here. You are. So Jesus, we welcome you. Those are prayers in the natural. Those are good prayers. They're legitimate. It's appropriate. And then I will begin to pray about the condition. Lord, we welcome you now to touch this knee, that you would come and do what surgery could do, but now through your surgery, Holy Spirit, come and heal. When I initiate those kinds of prayers, often what comes following that is God-initiated, and it is a supernatural and, and revelation of the nature, speaking to cartilage, speaking to ligament or bone, can come as a part of the ushering of that supernatural element or supernatural side. Does that make sense? Now, I don't always get that level of sort of supernatural. There are times when I am simply engaged in what I would call the the natural prayer. I'm not the healer. I'm not in charge of this. I am simply the physician, the the healing participant to help facilitate God's kingdom to come for this person. They may not walk away from me that day healed, but a process of healing may have been initiated that as they continue to pray, to continue to get help, whether that be medicinal or whether that be in other forms, whether that be something that... uh, there is other elements going on. Again, if we broaden this now to think of emotional, uh, to think about relational brokenness, uh, again, we can recognize that you know the, the hurts that we have experienced in life didn't occur in a single moment. And the, the likelihood of a single moment of healing uh, is, is probably not going to happen. However, you know, here's, here's an illustration I'm just thoughtful of. Clara had... Um, and just what came to mind, you're saying, oh, hopefully this is okay. She has shared this publicly on lots of occasions. Had some challenges with her uh, father as a teen, teenage girl. Uh, there had been tremendous closeness uh, in the early years, and, and then there came a, a challenging time in their relationship where Clara experienced uh, numerous hurts and disappointments. She became a Christian at age 18. Uh, she initiated wanting her family to know Jesus and was essentially rejected uh, for her faith, um, kind of even belittled, uh, again, more hurt. And then through the years of her adult life, God has come and initiated various times and seasons of healing for her. I mean, I can, I don't, I, I can picture one, and I can't think of when it was, but I mean, she's where, where a significant prayer time whether it was one of the times just on her own at her Bible in her, I mean, just recently actually you had one of those. But another time was in a ministry setting where some people prayed for her or a conference or a women's setting and, and has experienced levels of healing about that. And I often, you know, we describe it somewhat like the onion, you know, the, the layers of the onion of healing getting down to that core element. So I... I, I don't want to give excuse to say we can't have expectation for a knee or an emotional issue to be healed in a moment. 
But again, if we go back to the initial thing I said, which is that we are complex, that we are body, soul, spirit. There are a variety of this whole element of us and that ministry to us as a human being has to touch all of those areas. And um, so does that make sense? Again, I'm not making an excuse. We should look for and expect the Holy Spirit to heal in the moment. But we do not have to be disappointed if that doesn't occur this time, just like when you walk out of the doctor's office and you aren't well yet. Got to still take the medicine. You got to still start exercising. Whatever those. Does that make sense? And it is similar in this healing realm. And again, I think we've been misled to think that if it's not instantaneous, then it's not healing. And if it isn't instantaneous, and if we don't if we don't see that, then there isn't such a thing as healing. And I think we need to be more broad to that to recognize that there's complexities to the healing process, and there is training. Flat out, there is training. There are young children who are praying for the sick, and then there are the more mature. Who are doing that. So let's do that right now. Step five. Ah, thanks. Is what is called the post prayer direction. Is there anything that is to be said to them um, as they go? Uh, Jesus on, I think, at least two occasions said, go and sin no more. That was that's a post prayer direction. Pretty clear one. Uh, was dealing with those situations, but there's other other kinds. Jesus said, "Go to the temple and you know do the little thing that's needed with the temple thing because you've been healed and things." So there's prayer, post prayer. In our situation, in our application, uh, there may be. I I remember very clearly a time uh, John Wimber prayed for me, and after the prayer time, he said, "I think what you need to do is go home this week." And read in the Gospels where Jesus healed. And he gave that as an assignment for me to, because I was a Baptist at the time. It was early days of Vineyard, and I, I didn't have a significant healing theology yet. I had gone up for prayer for healing, didn't seem to experience, John didn't seem to recognize any significant healing, and so he gave me that assignment. That's a post prayer uh, kind of assignment. That can be a part of it. One other thing I would mention is that prior to that, kind of in step four, we've done prayer engagement. Um, We have prayed. It can be beneficial at times sort of to pause and check in. How you doing? What's going on? Are you experiencing anything? Yeah, I've got tingling. I'm feeling heat. Um, when we're praying for individuals, there's a whole there's there's a whole workshop on this. I'm obviously doing a consolidated uh, summary version of it, uh, but there's things to be watching. When we pray for people, we need to pray with our eyes open. We typically have been taught as Christians growing up that you pray with your eyes closed, but not when you're praying for somebody to be healed, because you want to see what's happening in them. And often there are manifestations of God's presence that are visible. Trembling, eyes fluttering, flushness. Um, Sometimes they're just nervous, and that's a purely physiological. Let's not get too overly spiritual. Uh, They're nervous. You know, they're not accustomed to having somebody pray for them. But there are also times where those are manifestations of the actual Holy Spirit at work. So we just need to be sensitive to that kind of a thing. When we're checking in with them, how you doing, what's going on, it may be appropriate to go back to stage one or two or three. 
and let's pray again. Jesus was praying for a man who was blind. He prayed for him. Then he stood back and he goes, what do you see? How's it? How you doing? And the man said, I see people walking like trees. What did he see? What was he seeing? Shadows, blurry. He's not seeing clearly because people aren't looking like people. They're looking like trees. So Jesus had to pray again. Did you know Jesus ever had to pray again for somebody? See, again, we have this mindset that healing is instantaneous, and if it's not that, then it isn't healing, and it's not true. And I always say, if Jesus had to pray twice, I might have to pray ten times. (laughs) So there is appropriateness in going back to prayer uh, with the individual. Is that good? Okay. 17 minutes after. um, I'm going to pray, invite the Holy Spirit, and... um, can invite him to identify a condition or someone with a need. We can do that in the natural or we can do that in the supernatural. And we'll just see what he does. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that it is your heart's desire to heal and to mend us. Lord, thank you that that's what the cross is all about. To take us from that state of brokenness, of death and decay to a state of life, newness of life, purpose, freedom from pain, freedom from sin. Father, I long for that for each one here. But we are so surrounded by pain and death, both in the natural with hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, as well, Lord, in the relational, with the brokenness in families, the lack of commitment, the the lack of understanding what real love is all about. And so I just welcome you, Holy Spirit, right now. Lord, if, if you highlight one, Lord, might you heal ten. Might you just heighten our our thoughtfulness, our awareness, our alertness that you are a God who heals. That the word sozo means you are saved and it also means you are healed. Your faith has sozoed you. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. For you it's the same. There is no distinction. Salvation includes healing. Here and someday. So come, Holy Spirit, would you uh, just identify if it would be in your heart to uh, give us a particular condition or need, or, Lord, if you just want to highlight a particular person, you would do that now. And that you would come and heal. Teach us and train us, but, Lord, heal. Something that is happening right now is that the Holy Spirit has given uh, 
revelatory understanding to a few of a variety of conditions that are present here. Uh, I have some, but others have some. And I want to give opportunity for those first uh, in the crowd. Um, the Holy Spirit just, I, I wasn't sure if just, just I got to know all of a sudden he just, there's more. So uh, how many of you felt like you got some kind of a sense of an understanding of a, of a potential condition that might be present in someone here while I was praying? We quickly share those if we could. Joy, would you just share first? Hand or fingers. Okay, someone with, that's a very general, very narrow uh, expression. They can be that simple. Uh, Sometimes they can be more complex than that. A burning in the right hip area. Right knee. Okay, I got, I, as I was describing the condition of the knee earlier, like so often happens, that was my sense that there was a condition here present, that that was someone as well. And then lower back. Now, at some level, gosh, you could almost just sort of imagine, gee, in a crowd of 70 people, you know, there's surely there's somebody with a lower back condition. But uh, what I have found is that when we pray and invite the Holy Spirit, that we can trust him. Can't always trust us. <laughs> Well, we can trust him. So is there anybody here that's present with some type of a hand, finger difficulty that you're experiencing? Okay, we want to come up to the front. Um, right hip burning particularly. Would you come on up? We're, we're, I'm going to, yeah, just come on up. If you trust us, we'll do this safely and protectively, I promise. Well, we have a high value for that, guarding the dignity of people. Okay, right knee. We've got a left knee. Okay, got a right knee, left knee. Got another one. Going once, going twice. Got another right knee, left knee. Cartilage damaged. Okay. And then uh, lower back uh, issue. Step up for that. Okay, if I could have um, at least one person join me up here to be with each person, I'm going to give some general direction for ministry for each of these and then participate in one of them. Can we have some folks come up and help? Okay, so we've, we've gotten, we're kind of on the verge of one and two. The Lord has has directed now some particular conditions, um, hip, fingers, back, knees. But we still want to to ask the person for a little bit more understanding. Has this been an ongoing issue? Is this something from an injury a long time ago? Do you know why you're experiencing this? So if you guys would just ask that question, uh, of the individual, um, that would be helpful. You might want to ask them their name if you don't know who they are. So this is the the interview. And at the same time that they are asking the questions on the natural, 
they're asking the Holy Spirit to give them direction. And probably they're already transitioning to the second, which is the uh, second step is prayer. No, it's diagnosis. What's, what's the nature? Is the condition spiritual at all? Is it physical? Many of these were physical conditions. We didn't share any that were relational or emotional per se. That wasn't what the Holy Spirit identified this time. Is it making sense? I mean, again, many of you, if you've been in our church, you've seen this. We do it all the time. We do it in our small groups. We do it over the phone. It's, it's just what we do. And so, again, primarily why I'm, I'm sharing this, it is we're teaching on prayer. We're teaching on kinds of prayers. And we're wanting you to be more trained and effective in what you're doing, understanding what's going on. And they're now beginning. They've, they've selected kinds of prayers and, and they're beginning to engage and they're looking for the Holy Spirit to assist them both on the natural and on the supernatural plane to be able to uh, minister effectively to those these individuals. Does that make sense? Okay. Because of the lateness, I'm not going to do anything more. I'm going to let them continue to minister. If any of you here would like uh, some prayer for anything... Uh, you are welcome to come up, and uh, myself and perhaps uh, others that may join me would help me with that. You may have a physical need condition that we didn't highlight. Uh, you may have other issues or circumstances in your lives that you would like us to pray with you about. Uh, we would love that opportunity. So at this time, you're dismissed. Thank you for hanging out and being with us today. We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, come on up if you would like someone to pray with you. Have a great week.